The reading of the scriptures from Genesis chapter 26, reading verses 12 to 33. As uh, always, may God give grace and faith both in the reading and the hearing of His Word. As we have it now in Genesis 26. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name Setna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you, and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahazeth, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, and he said to them, and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me again for a time of prayer. Father, again, we come to you, O oh, great God, our Creator. We worship and give you thanksgiving for all of the blessings showered down for heaven upon us because of what Christ has done to redeem us 
and to bring us into His kingdom of light. And we worship the great Son, our Redeemer, for all that He has done to secure salvation for us in the giving of His life, the one for the many, and obeying the Father and conferring upon us His very righteousness. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit, the giver of life, who leads us in paths of righteousness. Uh, remember those not here with us because of uh, illness or infirmity. We pray for their welfare, that you would be near to them. Guard and watch over our households, children and grandchildren. We pray that they would all be numbered uh, among the children of God. Protect us in this time uh, in a fallen world. All dangers sur surround us, both physical and spiritual. Uh, but we know you are our high tower. We must only run to you and we are safe. Bless your word to us this morning, O oh, Father. Send it forth in great power with your spirit that it would be accompanied with uh, conviction that we might behold wonderful things in your word that instruct us in the ways of God and the ways we should walk in and the things we should believe as well. So bless your servant Phil as he holds forth from this great passage in the book of Genesis, that we might be uh, uh, faithful hearers of the word and doers of it as well. And we ask all these things in the name of the eternal word, thy son Jesus Christ. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. I, I find myself uh, oftentimes getting upset with the fact that there's such a great deal of change in our society. I'm always reminded I have to change this and change that. And of course, all of us have to change with new laws and regulations. And I mean, I understand everyone says change is constant. Uh, but the basis of our salvation is the fact that God never changes. He's, he's immutable. And His dealings with us uh, are constant. They never change. He deals with us on the basis of His great covenants of grace uh, that He accomplishes for us. If you recall back our study of the uh, Abrahamic covenant. And again, we're going to study the Abrahamic covenant and the life of Isaac and all the carryover that occurs. Uh, do you remember what happens to Abraham uh, before the covenant is ratified? Well, just to remind you, um, God puts Abraham asleep. In other words, he's going to fulfill and accomplish every aspect of the covenant. Graciously, Abraham is asleep. Uh, if you are in Christ this morning and know Christ is your Savior by grace through faith, um, it's because God dealt graciously with you in eternity past in the covenant of redemption made between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You weren't even present. God sealed your salvation in eternity past between the triune Godhead. And so, uh, our faith is based upon an immutable God and immutable covenants. And this morning, the historic continuity and blessings of the Abrahamic covenant are born out in Isaac, the son of promise. That God's blessings are continuous for His sons. Unrelenting for His sons. 
well, we've also been studying uh, the fact that the sons of God are tested. Abraham was tested. Uh, Isaac is uh, tested. A um, number of great uh, parallels in their testing. There's famines and the need for water to care for flocks and so on and so forth. Uh, but God's goodness is the same throughout, providing uh, for uh, the sons of promise. In verses 12 to 22, Isaac's faith is tested over God's blessing of wealth and water. The central reminder begins in verse 12 uh, with the sentence that the Lord blessed him. God blesses the Son of Promise. Uh, if you are uh, in Christ, uh, by faith, you uh, are a son of promise. And God uh, blesses you because of the eternal covenant of redemption. Uh, the verb to bless in the Hebrew Bible is uh, in a verbal form that is very, very intensive, highlighting his prosperity. New American Standard reads, and then he became rich, verse 13. Notice the progression. Became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, literally, he became great. Uh, so by grace, uh, the effect is his wealth. Uh, verb is used three times uh, in this one text. And the progression is from comparative uh, to superlative. Rich, richer, and then very rich. And uh, what happens? The Philistines envy him. By the way, I have a friend of mine um, who has three children. Two of them are outside the faith, and one is inside the faith. And I always pray for the latter. Lord, just pour out your blessings upon her and her husband. Make them wealthy in every way imaginable, so that her siblings might envy her and ask, what is the source of your great blessings? You and I know the answer to that. It's the grace of God because of the covenant of redemption. So the Philistines envy him. Uh, the nuance of the verb is to be zealous in pejorative sense. There's a very uh, strong emotional content uh, of it to envy and to want. Remind you, uh, just very quickly, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your character be made free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Uh, by the way, that's being rich. When the Savior will never desert you, you are rich, indescribably so. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? That's wealth beyond comparison. So the Philistines begin to stop up his water wells out of jealousy in violation of their treaty with Abraham. I mean, they get angry at his wealth. What's with this guy? He gets all these blessings. So he digs a well and they begin to stop the wells up out of just sheer spite. Uh, it's the way of lost men. 
But nonetheless, uh, the king finally uh, tells him to leave because of his vastness. Historic continuity here, the grace of God. Uh, much of this is uh, reduplicated in uh, Exodus chapter 1. Uh, verse 7, the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied. They became exceedingly mightily so that the land was filled with them. Pharaoh gets angry, doesn't he? He says, leave. So in this case, Isaac leaves. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't fight. Uh, he has the promises of God, so he leaves it to the Lord. I mean, we would, we would get angry. What? I, I mean, what's with this? I dig a well and you stop it up? Uh, he just leaves it with the Lord. He goes and digs another well finds water, and then names them as an expression of uh, his ownership. Essek, which comes uh, as the idea of contention or dispute, sitna, enmity or adversity. Uh, by the way, it's from that word that we have uh, English word Satan. Enmity and adversity. He is our adversary. Uh, Rehoboth, room and lots of it. And lastly, Beersheba, well of oath or seven. Uh, notice again, and I remind you of this because you and I encounter difficulties throughout our lives, but the opposition does not stop Isaac. He keeps moving forward. Uh, oftentimes I encounter professing Christians who encounter some uh, great test in life and great opposition from whatever venue, it's somewhat irrelevant, and they stop. You can't stop. Because of the grace of God. Just always keep moving forward. Walking by faith. Leaving these things in the hands of God. Uh, and God keeps blessing him. Because that's what God does for sons. And he blesses us based upon uh, covenants. In Isaac's case, his father. The Abrahamic covenant. In our case, uh, our Trinitarian God, will continue to bless us. Even in adversity, He blesses us. Uh, there's opposition in life. You're going to be wrong. In, in some cases, there's absolutely no remedy. I mean, if there's remedy in courts, you can go there. I'm not adverse to that. Um, just, just be wise and uh, find uh, a good and qualified advocate. But there are many cases you're going to be wrong, and there's just simply no place you can go other than to the great God of heaven who will keep blessing you. Because that's what God does for sons, and there's great continuity there because of our covenantal head. Uh, you and I, believe it or not, are covenantal theologians because our entire salvation is based upon covenants. Covenant of grace. So keep moving forward. Verses 23 to 25, the Lord intervenes and reaffirms the promises made to Abraham with his sons. It's very interesting here, the promise has not changed. God doesn't come and say, you know, I, I greatly blessed your father and uh, before I completed uh, the covenant that he and I were going to make together, I put him to sleep 
And I've been, I was very good to Abraham. I'm going to change the deal with you. No, there's no change. God is good to His sons and daughters. Uh, because God is a good God and a gracious God. I know sometimes we question that. How could this happen to me? I, I get that. But we walk by faith and we don't stop. We keep moving forward because we know we are the children of a great God who deals with us based upon a covenant made between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the continuity uh, between Father and Son is uh, a blessing to us. He says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Same God, no change. God does not change. He doesn't need to change, by the way, because He's perfect. Perfection doesn't change. Can't change. You can't get better and greater and more majestic than God. He's the pinnacle of perfection. He does not change. It's the basis of our entire salvation that our God changes not. He says to Isaac, do not fear because I am with you. That promise is, is continual throughout the Scriptures. I am with you. Matthew 28, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, Phil, if you just only knew my struggles, I don't have to know them. I know my own. And I know sometimes they're a bit overwhelming, but because we're the sons of promise, God is with us. The Savior is with us in His Spirit. I'm with you always. Never departs because we're His sons and daughters. I will bless and multiply you. The cause is essential. Notice the cause in the text. Because of my servant Abraham. He's going to bless Isaac based upon Abraham. Why does He bless you? Because of Christ. So we, we move slightly from covenant head to covenant sons. But there's no change in the blessings. Uh, like Abraham, Isaac builds an altar implying sacrifice and worship. Calls upon the name of the Lord. Why is he calling upon the name of the Lord? Because he's in trouble. The Canaanites are still in the land. Why is there trouble today? Because the ungodly are still in the land. And men are fallen. We are fallen, but redeemed. It's always good to remember that. Uh, because it's the source of great anguish, great difficulties, and sometimes incredible violence. But nonetheless, God is with us. Because of Christ. Ephesians 1.3 We have every spiritual blessing in Christ it doesn't bless you because you're a good person. I mean, I know many of you in this room and you are wonderful people, but it doesn't bless you because of that. He blesses you because you're in Christ. Uh, great Scottish uh, moral philosopher and economist Adam Smith uh, writes. The book, as you know, The Wealth of Nations. It's a compressed title. The Wealth of Nations. And in that book, he speaks of an unseen hand by which markets come together and work. Well, I'm not here to teach an economics course, but there's an unseen hand always present 
in our lives, blessing us because of Christ. Verses 26 to 33, uh, like Abraham, the Lord gives Isaac protection in the land. So the king of Philistia, like his forefather, comes and uh, wants to make a non-aggression treaty because he knows that the Lord is with Isaac. This is my prayer for uh, my friend's uh, redeemed daughter, which I pray every Monday for him. Lord, bless the daughter with great blessings. So her two siblings will come to her and say, what meaneth this? So the king comes and wants a non-aggression pact because he knows the Lord is with him. As a pagan king, of course. But he has enough sense to know uh, because he knows uh, it's a very dangerous proposition to fight against the Lord. Uh, Because in fighting against the Lord, you will not win. Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It's a great illustration of that text. Abimelech and Isaac wants to be at peace because he knows the Lord is uh, with Isaac. Uh, So in our adversity which is always knocking on our door. Uh, We know that the Lord is with us, but he is our protector. And as our king, he will win our battles for us and ultimately take us to himself, which is ultimate victory and also consummate riches, eternal glory, world without end. You want to be rich? Know the Savior. Uh, because the outcome of it all is eternal glory, world without end. Uh, and the Lord blesses us as uh, sons of promise in the new covenant, which eclipses the Abrahamic in our union with Christ. So the Abrahamic covenant is eclipsed in the new covenant. Uh, our covenantal head is the Savior. Let's look very quickly at Hebrews uh, Chapter 8 and verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he also is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. Christ, the greater covenantal head. By the way, you know why the book is written? Because some in the church are thinking about falling away. He's attempting to interdict them with the majesty of Christ. Uh, I get that all of us are tested. Don't move away. Move forward because of the majesty of our Redeemer. Uh, As Isaac was related organically to Abraham, Uh, We are related to Christ as sons objectively, spiritually, and mystically by faith. Uh, When we repent and believe, we are united or identified with Him in all of His accomplishments and the application of our redemption. It's, I mean, I know some of you are reading Genesis 26, and wow, I mean, 
his flocks are growing, his wealth is growing, he gets more servants. Uh, what, what's with this? Well, what's with this is for us, it's Christ is our glory and riches that far surpass the riches described in the Abrahamic covenant that accrue in blessings to Isaac. Because we get the full application of redemption, wealth unimaginable, like justification, sanctification, and on and on. And ultimately, eternal glory. So it's good to, good, good to be reminded of our blessings. As our covenant head, all of uh, the benefits of the redemption that He has secured for us accrue to us immediately, temporally, and then ultimately eternally. First, in the immediate aspect of our union, we're regenerated, justified, adopted, and separated from the world. Secondly, the temporal blessings were progressively sanctified and persevered in newness of life. The presence of the Spirit secures for us the blessings of perseverance so that we persevere in adversity. It doesn't stop us. It may wound us for a season. It may knock us down. But ultimately, uh, in the application of our redemption, we persevere. We continually uh, move forward. The life of faith. Uh, lastly, in eternity, our glorification is finalized at His coming for us. And we're vindicated by God before the world. So all of the sons who are lost we will be vindicated before them. And then they will really envy us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, but by His doing, again, God's grace, His doing. So much of American churches want to, say, want to get us in there in some manner or form. But Paul says, by His doing, you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The great, great God, our covenantal head, saving us by His doings. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who delivered Himself up for me. The love of God in Christ. The world in which we live in is starved for love. Its ultimate reality is only, only found in Jesus Christ. Because it's an eternal love. It's an immutable love. It's a love that will see us to the end and bring us to glory. By the way, how do you come to that love? Well, you trust Christ as your Savior. Believe and hope in Him. Because outside of Him, all is lost. And all will be taken away. And the world will envy us when God vindicates us in the end. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, to be specific, 
that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That Christ died for sinners. Uh, he paid for the sins of sinners. If you don't know Him, that includes you. But only He can pay the bill. Uh, only His redemptive work is accepted uh, in the eternal court of heaven. It's the reason to flee to Him and appeal for mercy. Uh, uh, the point of Ephesians 3.6 is, uh, Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, Gentiles are fellow members of the covenant of promise. No different. No change. Same God. Same promises. Because they were, they were at odds with one another. Well, yeah, Gentiles are members of the church. I mean, we get that from the book of Acts, but we're the better. No, no one's the better. It's our covenantal head that saves us, that makes us sons of promise. There's no, no difference between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. They're all sons of promise. You know, Christ is your Savior. You're the son of promise. All, all of the blessings of the covenant accrue to you based upon what Christ did for his sons on the cross. Uh, now, I, I grant you these are spiritual blessings, but they far surpass the riches of flocks and herds and wells. Ephesians 2.7 In order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Riches that you and I really cannot comprehend. Uh, we partially are beneficiaries of them now, uh, but they will only become greater and greater in the eternal estate. Based upon what? The surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us. The prepositional phrase is so important. In Christ Jesus. Outside of Him, there are no sons of promise. Only in Him. Uh, the riches that accrue to us are also mystical and material uh, to sustain us. God gives us our daily bread, for example. Uh, illustration of this is uh, found and comes to us the life of the Apostle Paul uh, Turning now my Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Paul's going to illustrate his wealth. Uh, he writes a thank you letter to the church at Philippi. They, they sent uh, a monetary gift to him. And uh, because they sent a gift to him, um, he writes a thank you letter. And he speaks to the sufficiency of Christ and acknowledging their financial gift to him. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, he then explains something to them uh, that he is not really in need because of the mystical provisions of Christ in verses 11 to 13. 
because he has learned the secret of being content regardless of circumstances. That's a great, great secret to the Christian life there. Uh, that our contentment in life is not based upon circumstances. Uh, the contentment of worldlings is based on circumstances. Ours is not. It's based on Christ. Uh, the word content means self-sufficient or independent, meaning that Paul has the real necessities of life. Uh, he uses the metaphor of being initiated into a secret society that enables him. I have learned the secret of being content all things. That's a rich man, by the way. Then he shares the secret. Reading verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we go through the same circumstances as lostlings, worldlings. Sometimes we lose our jobs. Uh, sometimes we suffer disasters and hailstorms and violent winds. I mean, I don't, you all know what I'm saying. Uh, that doesn't govern our lives. Our, our, our real secret to contentment is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's one of the reasons, by the way, uh, uh, for Christians who encounter danger and then stop and get mad at God, uh, haven't really learned the faith uh, and need to rediscover Philippians chapter 4. Because he knows that the one independent in all of the universe, the Lord of glory, will sustain him. I mean, I've asked myself that question. How in the world am I going to get through this mess? I, I simply, in many cases, don't know, but I know the Lord will see me through it. Uh, let me think of it in this way. 23rd Psalm, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Beyond Christ, there is uh, the church that provides materially for the Apostle Paul, verses uh, 14 to 20. And Paul uses commercial language here, words like uh, gift and prophet, and cultic terms of sacrifice uh, that are pleasing to God, referencing uh, their gift. Uh, and then he closes by repairing to the eternal, verses 19 to 20. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, so I know all of us have many wants and needs, uh, but God will supply all of our needs in Christ Jesus. Uh, see us to the end. Everlasting glory world without end. Uh, all your needs met by Christ. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, an inexhaustible supply of the provision of God in Christ Jesus, who deals with us on the basis of grace. I remind you of the Abrahamic covenant. Before it was ratified by the two parties, God put Abraham to sleep. 
ratifies it himself. For the entirety of the covenant of grace that breaks upon Abraham is based entirely, solely on God because Abraham was in a deep sleep. By the way, that word uh, deep sleep is used of Adam. He had an incredible need for a partner in life. And God put him to sleep, a deep sleep, and brings to him Eve. God's grace providing for his sons. Uh, encourage you to memorize texts like this, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So all of our needs, uh, temporally and eternally, are met in him. And like Paul, we are enriched spiritually and materially. Circumstances are always different. But our covenantal heads are the same. They don't change. Promises to sons do not change. You know, sad to say, there are many Christians who say, well, uh, yeah, they can change because I can fall away. Uh, no, God in His grace even cures that. Uh, because He's the immutable God who does not change and His promises do not change. He's even going to secure the fact that we cannot fall away. Uh, and He's going in the application of redemption to secure our perseverance in the faith so that we go the distance and continue to the end. And the end is everlasting glory. Isaac has a covenantal head by the name of Abraham. You and I have a covenantal head by the name of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, God the Father. Ultimately, and causally, it breaks upon the triune Godhead as the source of our riches and glory. Uh, but the historic continuity in studying how the blessings run from Abraham to Isaac should be a great encouragement to us because there's no change in the blessings. There's no change in covenantal head. There's no change in the causality of how God deals with sons. And in the certainty to each of us, uh, because God always blesses His sons because of Christ, their Redeemer. Uh, it's something to treasure in the Advent season, which is a peculiar time in which we devote uh, in a moment of time uh, remembrance of our great Redeemer. Uh, who came to affect the eternal blessings of God and to secure us as his sons uh, before we were even born. And then sends his spirit to make it so. That's really what being rich means. And we should, in like manner, treasure it uh, because our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ.